Zakawani, the flying winger. Oh, goodness me! He doesn't need anybody, Steve Zakawani! Steve Zakawani was never fun to stick up against. If it wasn't for Zakawani, none of this is possible. It's Steve, it's Steve. <laughs> this is so weird. Steve Zakawani! What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Winging It with Zakawani. We are here to preview the Atlanta United game this Sunday which, for my money, is the toughest game the Sounders are going to face so far this year. Even tougher than when the team went to Toronto FC in midweek earlier this season and actually got a win. Because at that point, TFC was dealing with injuries, was kind of balancing, just finishing up their Champions League campaign and hadn't really found their rhythm in MLS. Whereas Atlanta, they have. They're missing a player or two, but what they have out there is still frightening. And it's a game that genuinely, genuinely scares me just because of how potent they are. So we'll talk about that. We'll talk a little bit about the World Cup final coming up. Um, so you, you guys sending some great questions on that. I will get to your questions as usual. I will have my friend Darlington Nagby of Atlanta United joining us on the podcast for an interview. We'll speak to him. He's in Atlanta. He'll give us some insight into that squad um, what to expect and whatnot. But first and foremost, we are 17 games into the MLS season. It's really flown by. I remember being down in Tucson, watching the guys in preseason like it was yesterday, and we're now 17 games in. It's no longer, you know, just the start of the season and we've had a bad start. We've had a bad first half of the year. Um, if we take the 17 games in totality, if we take the last seven days, the last 10 days, it's pretty good. It's four points. It was a win in Colorado on July 4th for the second year in a row. And then, you know, one of the most boring games I've ever watched, Seattle versus New England Revolution. But it was a great point because, you know, that's the kind of game early in the year this team loses. So slowly but surely the signs are there. There's been the game against DC United recently where I really felt the attack was somewhat clicking. So Seattle is, and hear me carefully, training in the right direction, but slowly. It's not being a burst it's not being the 2016 summer when Nico came and just like oh wow are we gonna do it it's not been that but definitely as Victor Rodriguez has returned as Nico Ladero has returned as Kim Key he's gotten more comfortable the little cameo appearances we've seen from Osvaldo Alonso Wolverine's having a fantastic season in the midst of all of this there are signs that the team is slowly trending in the right direction. The only question is, will that be enough to get the points required in these next 17 games to make the playoffs? I was just speaking with Babs, Ryan Babcock. Brian, and he said to me, we need about 30 points from the next 17 games to make the playoffs. That'll put us at 46, which is kind of, kind of the cutoff. Could be higher, could be lower. That's kind of. And we're talking about a team that's got 16 points from the first 17 games to now almost double that in the next 17. It's doable, but it's a challenge. And it's a challenge because you lose two or three and you've put yourself out of contention. And the second half of the season begins this Sunday in Atlanta. In preseason, I tweeted that Atlanta United would most likely for me win the Supporters' Shield and was the most dangerous team and maybe at that point, the best team in MLS. 
took some heat for it because I know I'm supposed to say Seattle. I know I'm supposed to say the Sounders. But I'm objective and I'm honest. And I saw what that team was doing, what they were putting together. And then they lost in the first game of the season, I think 4-1, maybe even at home to Houston. And my mentions was filled with, you don't know what you're talking about. How are you an analyst? 17 weeks later, those same people, I can't find them again. Because Atlanta has been scary. They attack Almiron, Martinez, in particular, those two. They've added Darlington Nagby, who we won't see on Sunday. But he's brought balance to that midfield because he's so clean on the ball and doesn't have the pressure of having to score and assist. He can just be the link guy. There's that. So that team has found their groove under Tata Martino. And that's who we face this Sunday. It's going to be a tough game. But just like the Sounders went to Toronto earlier this year in midweek and got three points when we least expected it, there is a way to get three points, but this will be a tough test. What makes Atlanta so good? They don't care if you score three. They believe they're going to score four. You're going to score two? No problem. We'll beat you 3-2. They do not care that much about keeping clean sheets and keeping shutouts. I know that probably drives Brad Guzan a little bit mad, but that's the way their team's set up. They're set up to score goals, to go for it, especially in that stadium at home. This is going to come on the back of the World Cup final. It's going to be packed. It's going to be watched by a national TV audience. They're going to be up for it. And Seattle have got to match that. What can the Sounders do? One, hope that Martinez and Amirona are off their game. That always helps. And great players have bad games. It happens. So that could be something that takes place on Sunday. Short of that, if they do not have a bad performance, you can still take them off their game. Make other guys beat you. Make someone else beat you. Get the ball off Amiron's foot right away. Don't man mark him, but the person closest to him, pressure him, harass him, be on him, let him know you're there. Get into him. Make him give the ball up. We used to always do that anytime we played against the Galaxy or Salt Lake. It was like, you know, don't let Landon Donovan beat us. Get on him. Make someone else have the ball. Don't let David Beckham beat us. We're going to get on Becks right away. Morales for Salt Lake. Get on him. A spindler, whoever it was. You make the guys, the playmakers, give the ball up to the other guys. So you have the piano players and the piano carriers. You make the piano carriers beat you because you take that team out of their game plan. So the Seattle Sounders have to be defensively disciplined. You've got to be tuned in, locked in. Will we see a return to the kind of 5-3-2 that Brian Schmetzer has deployed at times on the road at Portland, at Toronto? Does he play out of a four in the back? Is it a three in the back with aggressive wing backs for the counter-attack? I'm not sure what Brian Schmetzer's thinking, but there will be an emphasis on defending. You're not going to go into Atlanta Stadium and go toe-to-toe, attack-for-attack. Sounders just aren't there yet at this stage of the season. What you can do is have a very disciplined defensive plan that you execute well and then be good in the attacking 18-yard box. When you get your chances, which you will, it might be one, it might be two, maybe three or four, maybe no more than that. Be good when you get your chances. And with the form that Will Bruin is in, you have to think that if he gets a chance, I mean, his second goal in Colorado, the touch and the finish was exceptional. Exceptional. If Oba had done that, we'd be going crazy. So I'm going to put that same energy towards Will Bruin's finish because it was an exceptional finish. So if he gets a chance, you've got to put your money on him at this point, finishing it. Will we see the new DP signing, the Peruvian 
Rui Diaz, I have to assume we'll see him at some point. He's a big game player. That's what he's been bought for. They don't get much bigger than this. Maybe not from the start, but you have to assume someone who scored 40 goals in two seasons in Liga MX isn't going to be phased by this moment and should be chomping at the bit, ready to go. He's in shape. He's been playing in the World Cup. He's not coming here needing a preseason. So he should be ready to go. All that's going to be lacking is chemistry with his new teammates. But you need to have guys who can win you a game if they get given one or two chances. And then if you take care of business at home, and I have no worries about Stefan Fry. I'm not even going to talk about Stefan Fry because not that we take him for granted, but you know he's going to bring the business. He's been doing his job phenomenally well since he's come to Seattle and just getting better and better. Big save after big save. Won't even talk about the save in Colorado. You can find that on YouTube. It was incredible. Defensively be good. When you get your one or two chances, take them. Atlanta United is good. They are dangerous. They are scary. If they get on top in the first 15 minutes, it could be a long afternoon. You must frustrate them. I want to see Almiron running backwards towards his own goal, throwing his arms in the air, yelling at his teammates he's not getting service. The same for Martinez. Frustrate those guys. Don't let them start feeling good because then it could be a long afternoon. When we return, I will be joined by Darlington Nagby. He and I go way back, talking over a decade now, um, to Akron, Ohio, Cleveland, Ohio area. Saw him play at 16 years old. He's gone from strength to strength, of course. He's an MLS champion. He's a US national team player. He spent many years with the Timbers, so we know him well here in Seattle. And he now is with Atlanta United. Won't play on Sunday, but we'll still try to get some insight from him when we return. And I will touch on one or two of your questions in Ask Zach after the interview and the big three things. Stay tuned. This is Winging It with Zach Wani. Jewsbury to serve. Nielsen is up. Only a punch. It falls for Darlington Nagby. Oh, it's absolutely brilliant. And the Timbers are right back in it. Well, I've talked about this kid needing a moment. I've got to tell you, he doesn't come any bigger than that. Steve Zakawani here. Winging it with Zakawani. I'm joined... But I mean, I can say my friend, former teammate, my brother. I don't even know how to describe him, but um, he's obviously <laughs> one of the, <laughs> the greatest players I've played with. He's a guy who in Seattle we know well from his time in Portland. Now he's playing with Atlanta United. Fortunately for the Sounders, we won't have to face him on Sunday. Has a bit of an injury right now, but he's a good guy to give us insight into this upcoming matchup. I'm joined by Darlington Nagby, or D as we call him. What's up, D? I'm good, man. I'm good. Thanks for having me. Good. Listen, we don't have to be professional. This podcast really isn't formal. Yeah. We can talk. We, we can talk how we normally talk. Like it's fine. Like don't put your professional voice. All right, in. All right. I don't need the media trendy. Like you're talking to me, so <laughs> it's okay. But no, let, 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 let's, let's, let's um, begin. So first of all, health wise, how are you feeling? Um, what was the injury and kind of where you at with that? I'm uh, feeling better. Getting better every day. I tore. So my adductor muscle, so out two to three months. So it's been about three weeks right now. Okay. But I'm feeling better and better every day, just doing rehab and stuff. Um, for years, I would say not years, maybe the past two years, I've been pushing you to get out of Portland. 
because I wanted you mm. to play for a different team. You know, there was a Celtic situation that we looked at. Um, and, you know, this season you executed it. You went down to Atlanta. Um, how has that mm. been for you, being away from not only like Portland, but Caleb Porter under a different coach, um, going to probably the most exciting team in MLS? What's it been like in Atlanta in terms of on the pitch for you? Oh, it's been great. It's been great. In my opinion, one of the best moves that I made. And uh, I was really excited about this move, you know. Like you said, I was in Portland a long time. So I think it's good for me just to get a change of scenery, you know, get a, get to experience a new coach. And like you said, Atlanta is one of the one of the hottest teams in the league right now. And I'm happy to be a part of it. So it's been good. It's been good. We play great football and all the guys are cool. So it's been good. You, you came from playing in front of a great fan base in Portland, obviously, like yeah. you know, loud and everything like that. Um, how does it compare to the fan base in Atlanta, which, I mean, I've not been to the stadium yet, but just watch it on TV. I mean, it's mm-hmm. crazy. Yeah, it's nuts. I mean, I never knew soccer was this big in Atlanta until, like, until last year when they announced the team, you know, and you're seeing, you're seeing sellouts and things like that. But, you know, the fan base is great. Everyone loves it. It's not just people that love soccer, that love the team. It's people that don't know anything about soccer, you know, they just hear Atlanta United and they're excited about it. So the fan support is great. How it compares to Portland, I can't say. You know, they're both, they're both equally as great, but uh, I'm happy to be part of it. Did you know anyone on the team when you got there or was everyone brand new, teammate-wise? Yeah, I knew Greg Garza and then I knew Brad Guzan was a bad person, so he made <laughs> me want to come. <laughs> <laughs> you, 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 you didn't know Sal Zizzo? Uh, Sal, yeah, so Sal came after I, uh, oh. after I came, I think it was maybe like a week and a half later, okay. and then they traded for Sal or got Sal's rights or however it worked out. Okay. So yeah, Sal's my guy though. Obviously, I had time with him in Portland, yeah. so it's been fun having him here too. For years, when people say the name Darlington Nagby, it's frustrated people in America, um, like a lot of the writers mm-hmm. and people on Twitter. Um, I know you've seen me on Twitter arguing your case a lot of times. <laughs> um, like, people want, it wanted you to be I don't, like the, the number 10 guy who's getting 10 goals, 12 mm-hmm. assists a year and things like that. And I would yeah. always try to explain that I saw this kid play at 16. That is not his game. He wants to be mm-hmm. um, an Iniesta guy, the guy who's connecting the ball mm-hmm. to the guy that gives the assists. Um, I feel like in Atlanta, yeah. you've been able to do that. You're playing pretty much mm-hmm. defensive mid, but able to run with the ball and move mm-hmm. the ball and then let Almiron and Martinez and those guys do their thing. Has that system, mm-hmm. how does it suit you? How have you found being, not having the pressure of having to mm-hmm. get the goals and the assists? No, like you said, like I've never been that guy. And the key thing, like you said, is I never wanted to be that guy. So yeah. that's been the the crazy part when people say it doesn't get goals and assists. I never got goals and assists, really. Right. And I never wanted to be that guy that got goals and assists. So, like you said, I'm doing what I enjoy doing now, defending, attacking, being a, doing a mixture of both, which I enjoy, being able to connect passes, get guys involved. So it's been good. And I got a uh, talented attacking group in front of me, too. So they make it easy on me. When you guys go into games, you guys just know you're going to score three goals minimum? Yeah, we know Joseph's going to get three minimum. So <laughs> the rest of us, we try. <laughs> <laughs> what, 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 what makes him so good? Why is he so good at scoring? Yeah. It's just, uh, I mean, yeah, he, you know, he loves the other parts of the game too. You know, he wants to be involved in build up, you know, layoff and things like that combined. But his main thing is he wants to get a goal. Whether if he scores three and we lose, he's not happy. Right. If we score three and we win, he's happy. You know, if he scores, right. you know, so he's about, he's about the complete thing. He wants to have a good game, wants to score. And he's so, he's so tenacious. You know, he's hungry. You see him jumping over guys that, you know, that are bigger than him and he's, he's muscling them in the air and getting headers. So yeah. this is how he is, man. He cares about goals and, you know, he's excellent for it. 
Um, tell us about Almiron, because you played with Valeri, a great number 10. Um, mm-hmm. And now you mm-hmm. play with Almiron. They, for me, they're different players, but how, how, how does he, yeah. yeah, being on the pitch with him, like, what's, what makes him so good? I mean, I, I think on the teams I've been on, I've always been that guy that runs with the ball. Yeah. You know, kind of creating space like that. But, except Akron. You know, I came except, here. Except Akron. We won't yeah. talk about that yet. Yeah, yeah except all right, we'll get to that. All the assists I gave you, you know, clearing space for you. But uh, anyway. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> no, but, uh, you know, he's Almiron is tremendous at that. I think when he gets the ball, you know, relieving pressure when he picks up a half field running with the ball. But, you know, guys try to step to him. He can find that final pass. So he can do he can do a little bit of everything. He has a, he has a good strike on the ball as well. So definitely a guy I enjoy playing with. How would you define Tata Martino's coaching style? I mean, because this guy's coached Messi, he's coached Neymar, he's yeah. coached Suarez. I mean, he's coached big players. Mm-hmm. Right? How would you define his coaching style? Mm-hmm. It's different, man. It's different. It gets you like it gets you thinking. You know, you start doing things that you never really done before. You know, building out the bag, playing inside of your eighteen, and things like that. You know, but he just tells you just trust in it and believe in it and do it. If it doesn't work out, it's on him. So I think the team's team has bought into it and. The way we move the ball and the patience and the attacking style that we play, you know, he wants to, he wants to win first and foremost. But at the same time, he wants to win by playing good soccer. If we don't play good soccer, we win. You know, it's still good that you get the win, but it has to be total package. You have to win. You have to play attractive soccer. Right. Um, this game comes on Sunday after the World Cup final. Mm. You could have been there mm. in the World Cup. Mm-hmm. The U.S. never made it. Mm-hmm. Um, a few months. Mm-hmm. A few months on. How do you feel mm-hmm. when you look back on that? Not just the game in Trinidad, but that whole campaign. Like, is it mm-hmm. has it sunk in that you mm-hmm. guys missed it? Is it a failure? How do you feel about that? Yeah, it definitely sucks. You know, it didn't sink in until the World Cup started. Watching those games, thinking you could have been there and things like that, thinking about how far you would have went. But you know, I think uh, I think everything happens for a reason. Who knows? Maybe it's now we get an opportunity to reset. To bring in new new ideas and try new things, and you know, get some get some fresh uh, fresh blood in there, and we'll see what it, what the what the future holds for the U.S. national team. Do you think um, missing it in some ways now? Because you know, mm-hmm. some of the older guys now, their time's done. It's going to be kind of a new, younger group and things like that. Do you think in some ways that's mm-hmm. maybe a good thing that the coaches are forced to bring in um, new, younger players? Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. It's tough. I think you don't want to lose. You don't want to completely lose. You know what the what the guys that were there brought that mentality of fighting, you know, and uh, and doing everything possible to win. But I think at the same time we have a lot of the younger guys that they've brought in are talented guys, skillful guys, maybe some players that we haven't had in the past before, you know. But you definitely don't want to lose uh, the veterans and what they brought to the game. Absolutely, you're right. Um, let's talk about mm-hmm. Seattle. Obviously, you've played against Seattle, being with Portland. Mm-hmm. What's kind of some of your memories in those games? And like people that out from the outside just don't understand the intensity of that mm-hmm. rivalry and what those games are like. Um, yeah. From the Portland side, how was it for you when you used to play against Seattle? Mm. Uh, I mean, it was it was crazy. I mean, me and you would talk about it, you know, it's like, right. we play against each other, but it's like, you know, it's like, man, like we want to win this game, but then it's more so you feel like like the weight of like your fan base kind of, you know? Yeah. It's like your yeah. fan base wants you to win so bad as opposed to, yeah. like, I never hated like you guys or Ozzy or, you know, any of you guys, but it was like, man, like, my fans really want me to win this game. Out of any game, if we want to win one game this season, this is the game they want us to win. So yeah. I think he's kind of felt that, I think, from both fan bases. I don't think any of the Seattle guys didn't like us either, but it was more so yeah. we wanted to do it for our fans. 
I, I don't think since I've known you since you were 16 that like, I've ever been mad at you, but except once, and it was during a Seattle Tim. Look at game. this guy. Look at this guy. <laughs> look at this guy. Look at this you, guy. You know what I'm going to say. Look, this guy came and pushed me. DeAndre came and pushed you me. Know, you playing against DeAndre, a young rookie who we both knew, and you dove. I couldn't believe you dove to give Valeri a chance to take a free kick. I could not believe this my guy, eyes. I was running. I was running and I felt DeAndre got so fast I had to get in front of him. I got in front of him because he was going to catch me even though he was probably 20 yards behind me. He still somehow caught up to me. Uh-huh. He pushed my shoulder. I fell. Next thing I know, I see my brother or who I thought was my brother over me yelling at me telling me to get up. Huh? Oh my goodness. I would never forget that. I was so mad at you, man. Because I, uh, I knew Valeri might score so I ran over there like, D, stop diving. Stop diving, man. Uh, <laughs> that was awesome um, we played together in Portland but before that we played together in Akron um, I just saw mm-hmm. Till Bunbury this weekend our other friend um, mm-hmm. when, you, when you think back to that team like I know obviously we were all good and stuff in college but are you surprised just how many of us from there I mean I can just list names mm-hmm. like maybe over 30, yeah. 30 names at this point in the last 8-9 years yeah. Um, yeah are you surprised mm-hmm. that that many of us made it to MLS and beyond mm. And I would say I'm surprised that many, you know. I think you were, first it was, you know, Sinisha, Sinisha went before you, right? Yes, like two years first before. It was, yeah, first it was, yeah, first Sinny went, but I wasn't really there and a part of it, so I didn't really understand, you know. But being there after you went, it was like, man, like, this guy just went number one. Like, we yeah. train with him every day. Yeah. So, you know, you set the tone for all of us. So seeing you go, you know, kind of made us believe, like, man, like, we all have opportunity, you know, if we can yeah. continue to do what we do. Obviously, we didn't do it to the level that you did it. But uh, you know, we try to we try to photocopy it. And <laughs> oh, we try to we try to copy you a little bit. So you went, and then Teal went. You know what I mean? And then we all start believing. And after that, then like a bunch of us went, and they kept following in those footsteps. So even now, you know, like the, the one pick last year, right? Yeah, I think they had yeah, the, the, the left back from year. LAFC, Moutinho. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. So I'm, I'm not happy about that. I'm glad he came from Akron. Uh, look at this guy. You know what I'm going to say. Look at this guy. Before this year, it was only Steve Zakawani and LeBron James as the number one picks out of Akron. And then this kid came and spoiled it. Like, I'm not happy. Like, he should have gone uh, number two or three. Oh, man. He's ruined it. But no. Was, when he went one, that's the first thing I thought about. I was like, man, it's not just Steve and LeBron anymore. <laughs> so, but no, it's, it's great. Um, let me ask you this. You've won an MLS mm-hmm. Cup. You've played for your national team. Mm-hmm. I mean, like what in terms of career and, and and I know you and you're more for you as long as your family's happy, your kids are happy, mm-hmm. you know, you care more about mm-hmm. that stuff than anything on the pitch. But in terms of career goals at this point, I mean, is there anything that you're mm-hmm. looking at like I want to achieve that, or are you kind of just enjoying playing? Man, I would say uh I would say it hit me this year when I got hurt, like I was like, man, like I won't get I don't know. I would say supporter shield. You know, obviously, you know, when you go to MLS Cup, is the big one that we all want to win. Yeah. But I th- I've never got the supporter shield. So going down this year, I was like, man, you know, you know, I think I was helping the team and uh, doing a good job helping the team. So I think we're doing well still since I've been injured. But I hope we can keep uh, keep it up and continue winning and continue doing well as a team and have a chance at the supporter shield. And hopefully I'm back for that. Yeah, true. Um, last question. France, Croatia. Who, mm-hmm. who are you taking Sunday? I'm taking Mbappe. He's good, huh? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, this guy's 19 years old. At 19, I was forgetting books in my in my in my house. I had to go pick up my books and get to class on time. This guy's in the World Cup, running past. When you Argentina, see when you see guys. Mbappe run past four or five defenders every time, does it remind uh, you of anyone you played with in the past, like in college in or something? <laughs> it doesn't. <laughs> all those, I told you, man. All those runs you have from half field. If you watch the clips closely. 
There's a little black guy clearing space, <laughs> clearing space for someone to run through. You oh, might have been wearing man. number six, too. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> nah, those are good memories. Darlington, well, good to talk to you, as always. Um, mm-hmm. Say hello to the family and all of that. Um, we'll see you soon. Mm-hmm. Thanks for joining the podcast. No problem. Thank you. Tell Denzel hi. <laughs> <laughs> Denzel. <laughs> I'll tell him. I'll let him know. I'm going to see him right now. <laughs> Pedroia to Yedlin. Can the USA grab this with a dramatic late goal? DeAndre Yedlin. Paradez's header is not the greatest one. Nagby, great chance to win it. That's what he's done with his first goal for the USA. Darlington Nagby. Big moment for him. And the USA might have grabbed the win right at the end. So much of this play comes down to Bobby Wood being aware, staying alive. This ball's played back across. Bobby Wood has to recognize where he is at all times. Laying this ball off to Nagby was absolutely spot on from Bobby Wood. And Nagby finishes the playoff for his first international goal for the United States. Welcome back. Winging it with Zakwani. Thanks again to Darlington Nagby for joining us on the podcast. Let's get straight to it. Your questions. So many surrounding the World Cup. Let's do a couple. Steve, many people had France as pre-tournament favourites. They are now in the final. Is there any way Croatia can upset the party? The way Mbappe is playing, Pogba's coming into his own, Griezmann, that whole team, just how solid they are. I find it tough to see any outcome other than a French win. When they beat Belgium, who's a very good team and was playing well and kind of had been many people's pick as the tournament went on and on, just the way Lukaku was playing and Eden Hazard was playing. And, you know, they got Kevin De Bruyne, my favorite player to watch. I mean, France beat them. They won with a solid performance. It'll be tough to see Croatia beating them. Croatia didn't play well against England. Neither did England play well against Croatia, but France is a different beast to England. I find it tough to think that Croatia can beat France on Sunday. I hope they do. I want to see the underdogs win. I want to see Luka Modric win. Fantastic player who, if his name was Modricino and born in Brazil, he'd have been competing for Ballon d'Ors. Great player. Great, great player. Fantastic footballer. We'd like to see him win, but I find it tough to see anyone other than the French national team winning Steve the US is not in the World Cup but having now watched the World Cup and so many big teams not playing well how do you think the US would have done it's tough to say because you just don't know what group they'd have been drawn in the dynamics of you know who they'd have played would have been injuries the form of the players I do say that it kind of wasn't up for grabs World Cup you know we didn't see really the best of Brazil the best of Argentina the best of Spain best of Germany, the big countries really didn't do much. And of course, Italy was missing and Holland was missing as well. So it was maybe the World Cup where the US could have gone there and you would have thought, you know, you've seen what Sweden did and Croatia have done. You know, could the US have done that? Maybe, but you have to be there to do it. And no point speculating, you know, on a country that didn't make their way out of their qualification group 
and into the World Cup to say what they could have or would have done. So it's tough to speculate. Would have loved to have seen them there, but it's tough when they weren't there. I give credit to the countries that did actually make it. And France is a powerhouse who's done their job. And the only thing that can stop this World Cup from going kind of to script is a great Croatia performance on Sunday. The big three things, big three things. What's on my mind as we wrap up this podcast this week? Number one, Rui Diaz. Listen, Liga MX is better than MLS. It's a fact. The gap is closing. I'm happy the gap is closing, but it's still a fact for now. And he scored 40 goals in two years there. Similar to the production output of one Oba Femi Martins here in Seattle in his two or so years here in Seattle. The 40 goals. That's a lot of goals to score in any league, especially the Mexican league. It's tough to do, and he did that. I didn't know much about him before he came. I know the team has been watching him for a while. They've had their eye on him, and we weren't the only team watching him. So what should we expect? Listen, if he can come in and give a Nicolo Dero-type impact look, man, then that 30 points in the next 17 games is very feasible because that's what you need. A guy who's just going to be scoring goals and can, a match winner can win games on his own and doesn't need an inch to, to create some magic. Oh, we've been crying out for that all year. Anything close to a Nico Lodero summer signing impact. And then you can seriously talk about the playoffs. Anything below that is still good, but will it be enough? Because what Nico did was out of this world. I think it's tough to ask for that to be repeated, for history to repeat itself twice. But anything short of that, I struggle to think, will that be enough? Which leads me into number two, the playoffs. Any other league in the world, the sound of season is already a rep because they're trying to get number one. But the way MLS is set up, six in your conference, and you have a chance to go to the big dance and win the big one. So you're aiming for sixth place. It is within reach for the Sounders. It's right there. Got to go on a run. Maybe a couple of mini runs. But got to get results starting Sunday in Atlanta. Because if not, then we are seriously, for the first time, contemplating this great franchise who since coming into MLS have, or very close to having, the best regular season record in nine, ten seasons, whatever it's been. But seriously contemplating that franchise missing the playoffs. That'll be tough. That'll be tough. But it's right there. Sixth place. You're not going for first place. Forget support should. We don't care. I'm not going to host MLS Cup. That's okay. Already won it on the road. In Toronto. Cold. December. I remember. I was there. So were many of you. The goal is six. Just get in. Get in. And that's all this team has to be thinking about. That sixth spot. And you do that by slowly starting to pick up some results. Slowly. Number three, Will Bruin. I'm going to show Will Bruin some love because he came to Seattle, you know, a couple of seasons ago now. And it wasn't the big DP signing. It wasn't the sexy time signing. It wasn't a parade downtown for Will Bruin. But look at the goals he scored. Double digits last year. On a struggling team this year, he has five goals. Big goals too. Two to win us the game in Colorado. 
Will's doing his thing. Will's been good. Will's been ready. And he's doing it quietly. And he's had to kind of hear all year. We don't have any good forwards or we need a DP. We need someone. And Will's doing his job. And he's going to make it very difficult for Brian Schmetzer to just not play him, to just drop him. And that's a problem and a headache that every head coach wants. You want your players to make it tough for you to leave them off the starting 11, to leave them off the pitch, to leave them on the bench. You want them to make it tough for you. And Will Bruin is doing that. So salute to Will Bruin. Much respect. Having a fantastic season in difficult circumstances. Not everybody's favorite player, not everybody's favorite pick as a top forward. But since he's come to MLS, the guy's done his job. I played against Will in college when he was at Indiana. And Will's gone from strength to strength and come to Seattle and picked up right where he's left off and he's doing fantastic things. Was it 10 goals last year, five this year, 15 goals? That's great. And there's probably at least five more to come this season. So Rui Diaz is going to be great, but don't sleep on Will Bruin. That's all we got time for. Don't forget this Sunday, Seattle traveling to Atlanta to take on Atlanta United it's a big one it's a fun one coming on right after the MLS uh, right after the World Cup final don't forget it's on Big Fox National TV Fox tune in uh, about 11am Pacific time to watch the most dynamic attack in the league get stifled get slowed down get stopped by the Rave Green hopefully and we'll be back next week to recap what we hope is three points at least one point we hope it's not a heavy defeat. I'm Steve Zakwani. This has been Winging It with Zakwani. I will see you next week. <laughs>